0: everyone this is pastor Stephen. I wanted to thank you for checking out our podcast and we hope that this message encourages you and helps you in your pursuit to live for Christ with everything you have we hope you enjoy the message Since the beginning of the year for some reason the Lord has been dealing with me intentionally for the last months because my sermons don't get wrote overnight There are things that are often lived out and I have to go through and chew the the cud as I try to understand the word. And Brother Chip, this this series has been one that's been kicking me a lot more than I thought it would be. Because you know what? Growing up in the church a lot of the times and watching people worship is great. And you could say, oh, that's what worship is. But when you get to the nitty gritty of it, worship is far more deeper, wider. And longer than we could ever understand. Because it's simple looking on the outside. But the ramifications of it can make a difference in a life. Because last week, I I think I brought you the question that really set me back. If somebody walked through the doors, what would they think of the worship they see that you give God every single day? Would it make them want to, to, to pursue after the God we serve? The one and only true God. The God that created the heavens and the earth. The God that helped all of the Israelites go across on dry ground as they went through the Red Sea. The God that led them through the wilderness with full provision. The God that provided their shoes the, inab- or the ability to not become worn out for 40 years. Would they pursue after this God who, who, who loved everybody so much that He sent His Son on the earth because of what they see in our lives? You see, what I have always heard and my wife will repeat it till I'm dead is people don't care what you know until they know how much you care. Amen. But they also might look at you as the only Bible they'll ever read. The only Bible they'll ever read might look like Brother Chip Anderson up here on the keys. What would they think about that? Oh, Brother Chip hates this spot that I put him in. I mean, in all reality, that's what we have to think about. Our encounters day in and day out are a reflection of what God is doing in our lives. But the worship that we present to God is a testimony about what we think of God. The first week we talked about what worship was and how a lot of times people think worship is an emotional feeling. It's not. It's an acknowledgement that we have one God and he is worthy of everything that we have. And if we would reflect on that every single day, every single choice that we make, it would make a radical difference in our lives. Then last week we talked about how we come together in corporate worship on Sundays, on every day that the church is open, with the desire to unify ourselves in full worship to become one body in Christ. But this week... The challenge that God has been laying on my heart and as I was typing out ideas, watching a basketball game last night, and as I was processing everything that we have, what is our worship supposed to be? The question I really want to ask so intentionally is, what do we worship with? You see, Warren Worsby, he said, worship is the believer's response of all that they are, mind, emotion, will, body, so what, uh, to what God is, says, and does. Can I say that again where I don't stumble it? this way, it looks good on camera, right, honey? No. Worship is the believer's response of all that they are. Mind, body, will, and and emotions so that God is, or to what God is and says and does. The truth is, it's a wonderful thing that we get to come in here every Sunday and be able to experience something so radical as we walk in with the desire and the intention to walk in surrender. Surrender. It's a wonderful thing to watch you all come in as I'm preparing everything I have and my emotional intelligence and everything I have to prepare the service, to make it presentable for people to see what God is wanting to do in and through our lives. And it's watching you walk in and say, I wanna surrender. Surrender. The songs, I surrender all, all to Jesus, I surrender. Or the songs from the lyrics of the the Build My Life lyrics talking about how we need to come down and lay our crowns at the feet of Jesus. You see, what we have to realize is what the way to worship really looks like is the heart's intention and what we do through that. So many people in the churches nowadays think that worship is something that they're supposed to come in and lay down all of the stuff they've had all day, and that's what true worship is. What am I saying? Pastor Stephen doesn't make sense on that one, I don't think. People gave me crazy eyes. The truth is, people think that when we come into church... Our worship is to just put our arms up and say, God, here I am to worship. Here I am to bow down. Here I am to give you all of my struggles, all of my hurts, all of my afflictions, all of my negative stuff. That's what my worship's supposed to be. It's part of it. But that's not what worship is. That's just the surrender of the stuff you're dealing with. And you're saying, God, I worship you, but please just take the stuff, and then I'm going to walk back out to it and do the same thing over again. And I'm going to bring you the same thing next week. There's something about Scripture that reminds me that there is way too much messed up in theology that's hitting the churches nowadays. Because what we struggle with is what we worship affects who we are. The things that we worship, I can tell you, my wife hit it on the head. I watched people worship a football team in the middle of a blizzard, clearing out their seats just to sit there on top of snow piles as they worship a bunch of Buffalo Bills trying to get a a win for the playoffs. I've witnessed the Cowboy fans going crazy in their little Cowboy rooms as they exalt the Cowboys and all that they have and then they get mad when they lose. The same's true for all the other sports and all the other things. The same's true for even the younger generations like myself where I can remember there was days in my life where I didn't go and put my head on a pillow because my eyelids never shut. What am I talking about? I'm the nerd. I played video games on a computer for 4 days straight. With lots of caffeine hitting me. And it was the thing I would worship. Because the second my head would hit the pillow, I would dream the video game. The second that I woke up, I had to go and reach for the keyboard and the mouse and and get back into the video game. You see, what I'm trying to get at is there is a thought process that the church has to become aware of. And that is the truth that whatever we give our time to becomes what we are. When you think about it, there are 60 minutes in one hour, right? Last I counted, I don't think they changed it yet. If there's 60 minutes in one hour and 24 hours in a day and 365 days in a year, well, actually, it's 365 and a quarter, but we'll just say 365 because of rounding. I just messed my wife up. 365 days because of leap year. There you go, babe. There's 365, that means there's 525,600 minutes in a year. That's a shocking contrast when you think about the life that we live and how large of a number that should seem it should be because it seems like it takes forever. But it's such a small number that we just fly through it. We just went through the new year. We just went through the season where we were just going and trying to think, how do I get through 2023? Oh, is me. What is mine? And 2024 hit, and we're already three weeks into it. But one of the things that the Lord kept hitting me up this week... is the fact that our worship is what we spend most of our time with. And if we look at our time from last year and ask what did we put most of our time to, we often see some people, they do worship the television. Some people do worship their smartphones and their video games. Some people do worship their sports teams as they live and breathe and die by it because you can tell a cheesehead by a cheesehead. There are some people in this world that will worship everything around them with the disconnection that there is something that God is requiring each and every one of us. You see, Exodus 23 and 25 says, you shall serve... Or worship the Lord your God, and he will bless your bread and water, and he shall take away your sicknesses. It's a promise of of a connection about what God is trying to waken up within each and every one of us. What is it that we are worshiping every single Sunday? You see, what I have encountered in churches over the years is people think that the church should worship them. I should appease you. I should give you what you want. I should make you happy. That's not my job. My job was never to appease you. And if that's what you want, get me out of here. I would resign in an instant. My job is to challenge each and every one of you to to go further and deeper and closer to God, to allow you to connect with Him and worship Him and all that you have and do and are. There's a reason why in Exodus what God was declaring to His people is the fact that you shall serve God and God alone. But how do you do that? What do we do to bring God the honor and the glory in everything that we have? And I love how God has given his people the knowledge of the firstborn sons to give us a gleamer and a bit of truth in that. You see, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And he did all of it in seven days. And in seven days, he also made a, a man named Adam. And he gave my wife Eve, they did everything right with God, serving in the garden, tilling, naming all the animals, doing the proper worship that they were assigned to, until they disobeyed, till they desired to have wisdom like God. And they ate from the tree in the garden. And then they put fig leaves on and hid and realized all that they had done was a mess up. And then God kicked them out, but then God blessed them with two sons. The firstborn was Abel. The secondborn was Cain. And these boys learned who God was because it says that he came and chased after them and would talk with them still, even after they were out of the gardens. And they worshipped God. And as the boys got older, they learned different vocations. They learned what worship was supposed to be like. You see, Scripture tells us in Genesis that there was a time when they wanted to give God the honor and the, wor- uh, honor and the glory and all that was due to him. So they decided we want to make an offering to God. They wanted to worship God. And in that worship, what we find is that there was an acceptable form of worship and an unacceptable form of worship. But but pastor, you mean that there is an acceptable form of worship and an unacceptable form of worship? Yes. Yes. You see, there's a contrast that doesn't get highlighted and exposed until you read about this this, this thought process in Hebrews where where it says that that Cain brought a whole bunch of his vegetation from his field and gave it to God. But Abel, he took the firstborn of his flock and, and, and gave it as a sacrifice to God. I can remember back in the days growing up, and I was reading that, and I was like, wow, well, that, that doesn't make sense, Brother Chip. I can remember there was times, Sister Amy, where, where I was reading, and I'm like, well, they just were giving worship to God. Why didn't God accept the sacrifice that, that Cain had given God? And I was like dumbfounded for the longest time until I finally read the book of Hebrews. See, in the book of Hebrews, what we find is that that it highlights the truth that there was a heart issue in the worship that was being given to God. Because what we bring to God has to have a heart behind it with the intentionality of full surrender. You see, Cain looked at it and says, Oh, I got some corn over here. I got some carrots over here. I got some green beans. Oh, Oh, I got some pears over here. I've worked, I've sweated, I've toiled the soil. I've done everything that I could do to bring this up. Oh, I did a great job. Here, God, have some of my great job. And Abel, he watched this little lamb get born. He fed it. He nourished it. He loved it. He named it, I don't know what he named it. I, could, I probably would have named it George. I'm weird, I know. Oh, George. Oh. <laughs> but he loved it. He nourished it. He had it in his room with him. He raised it. He took care of it. And then there was something in him that says, you know what? I didn't make this, I just loved it, but God, here you go. Here you go, God, I didn't do anything. I didn't make it, I just loved it. Cain over here, oh, I sweated my my brow off, I couldn't do anything. I did the work, God did nothing, but I'm going to give God something. Do you see a disconnection in the type of worship that was being given? There's a time and a place for proper worship. And right now, right here, we need to get back into an alignment with what God is saying is the proper and holy worship that we're supposed to have. The world don't like it. The world wants us to worship everything that we have. The world wants us. To say, oh, Apple is the best product over Google. The world wants us to be divided because of the items we have. Because we earn these. But what I've learned in my life, in my, my experiences, is that I have done nothing of value. You, yourselves, have done nothing of value that's worthy of anything that you've ever made on your own. I have five daughters. I didn't make them. I helped. I have food on my counter that I make every single day for my kids. I didn't do anything. I just prepared it. I loved it a little bit. And I give it to my kids. You see, what I'm trying to get at is we have to get into the understanding that the things that we have in and through this life are not things that you've earned. But they're the blessings that God has given you. Well, pastor, I worked 40 hours a week. Yes, you did work 40 hours a week. You loved the job and you were blessed by God with it and to be blessed financially through it. You see, there's a lot of people that don't like these kind of messages, and I'll be honest, I hate giving these kind of messages because I don't like making controversy and making people mad. She'll attest to it. But there are going to be times that I know I have to make people upset a little bit because you don't understand the ramifications that people in the churches nowadays have been giving unacceptable worship and asking God for blessing after blessing. And they look at me and they say, why am I not getting blessed? And it's because you're not worshiping God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, and all your strength. You're not understanding the ramifications that this life is just a glimmering, fleeting moment. There is nothing in the longevity that's connected with it. But pastor, you're only talking about finances. No, there's more than just finances that we have to get at. There's more than just what we bring to worship. It's not money only. There's time. Somebody did the math. One-tenth, which is a tithe of our time, is 16.8 hours a week if I did the math right we're here for about an hour and 45 minutes give or take some days I can get you out of here in an hour if you're good if you amen me enough some days I'll keep you here for four we'll see what we get going But 16.8 hours a week is what we're supposed to be giving back to God of our lives. According to the commandment that a tithe of everything. No, no, I'm not saying this is an Old Testament law. I'm saying what this is a truthful commandment that God has been giving. Because what he is worthy of is worship that's honorable to him. And if a tenth of our time is all he's asking, get ready. He built it into his own law. If I equate this right, let's see here, a person sleeps about seven and a half hours a day-ish. My wife, two. Me, I like eight. Solid eight. But if I did that correct, there is one day of my life a week that I'm supposed to give to God after I sleep. Isn't it funny that God, on the seventh day, he rested? Isn't it an incidental Complete complexity idea that in one day God says I'm going to rest. But in that same kind of setup of his law, of his Mosianic law, he said, I want you to rest one day like I did and keep it holy. Holy. What is holy supposed to mean? Holy means reverent, something that's given to God, something that's sacrificial to God. If I look at our society today, we are lucky to give the two hours on a church service on a Sunday. Most of us would rather be doing something else if we weren't actually asked to serve or do something else in the church. Most of us would be like, well, I don't want to go to church today. I want to go out to dinner, so I'm just going to sleep in a little bit. But where's the rest of the time? No, I'm not saying you have to set up a whole day of the Sabbath because that is the Moseanic law. And no, you're not under it. But there's an understanding that God was trying to derive through that law that is fulfilled through Christ that gives us the ability to say, God, I want to surrender my time back to you. But pastor, how do you do that? How do I give honorable worship to God that's almost like it tithe back to him? Try this for size. You got two hours on Sundays. Why not fill the rest of the week with time where you're spending in prayer? And reading His Word. Oh, if we would just read His Word and actually hear it, we would see a transformation. That's worship in itself back to God in our times. If we would start intercessory prayer at home. If we would start doing Bible studies. We would start having small groups. If we would start connecting with people and saying, God, I don't want to do it about me any longer, but I want to surrender it back to you and the commitment to honor you and all that I do. You see, that's a struggle for people in our society, because we would rather chase our kids around for soccer games. We would rather go and do all the fun amusement parks when we're supposed to be doing something for God. We would rather be sitting on our phones playing Bingo MASH, or Phase 10, or whatever, Monopoly Go, or whatever it is nowadays that people are playing. I can't keep up with it. Or scrolling TikTok or Instagram. That's talking about the younger generation, older generation, I don't know what you guys are doing. Probably watching the news. Or, 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 or gun smoke. Yeah, Brother Marcus, I heard all about that. <laughs> but in all reality, when we don't sacrifice our time to God in holy, adorable worship, how can the world see the difference in our lives? But I go to church, Pastor. Yeah, you go to church, but what are you doing the rest of the time? Well... You don't want to know. No, I don't. See, that's the hardship that we have in the church nowadays. There's a reason why we don't see the presence in the, in the, in the pews like we used to. Because the, hurt, the church has lost its first love. Too many in the church have lost their idea of who God is. They think that God is just showing up on a Sunday. Or a Wednesday. Or for a worship team practice. They think that church is just showing up for a youth group service. They think that church is just something just to get through because it's a religious movement that we're supposed to just do. It's far more precious than what we take in. It's a challenge that we're supposed to go through. Because if we can get through the fact that our time is valuable to God, it lets everything else that's holy and pleasing and honorable and admirable to God to connect. Talking about money, too. Your money is part of your worship, just like your time. I'm not saying I want your money, I really don't. This church doesn't realize that, that all that we, we try to do. I don't want your money for me. I want you to see what God is going to do through what you're sacrificing to God. Your treasure, your, your valuable things that you have in this life, the blessings that God has given you, that he asks that you show back to him so that you can understand that your heart has to be more preoccupied with him than on what you could buy Next. I got 5 minutes. I got one more point left. I Think I'll get you out on time. But the other thing that God loves about worship brother Chip when they were in the in the in the wilderness in the book of Exodus Moses was looking at around looking at God saying, "Okay, God, what is it that you want this people to do?" And he says, "I want you to build for me." A place where I could dwell amongst my people. A place that you can dwell among my people. I'll be honest, if God gives me that kind of commandment in my life, I would struggle. But I love how God blesses people with abilities and the know-how. To do some wonderful things. You see, in the wilderness, God blessed two men that that could do the the crafting of the gold and the woodwork. And that allowed them to be able to lay the groundwork for for the tent. And to, to, to set it up to be a place where God himself would dwell. Among his people. Surrounded by his people. Where they could worship him. But they didn't realize it was a standard and a a thing set forth where worship could be given to God fully and wholeheartedly with everything that we have. What I'm trying to get at is your abilities that you have that are God-given abilities to do wonderful things for the kingdom are not meant to be restrained. 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 You you know me, Chip, right? I sit back there on Sunday mornings running the sound. I sit back there running media when Sister Yetta can't be there and the sound. I sit up here and I hit buttons on my tablet because I know how to do this stuff. I'm not saying I'm boastful. What I'm saying is I learned how to do that stuff. That was never a talent of mine. I once told God, God, I will serve you in every capacity, but what you're calling me to do. God, I'll, I'll serve on the camera team at my church. God, I'll learn the soundboard. I don't want to sit back. I don't want to talk in a microphone. God, I'll run the media. God, I'll, I'll serve in a Bible study if I don't have to be in a microphone. God, I'll do everything you want me to do. I'll run the camera team for a youth camp and do all that stuff. But that was not what I was blessed and given the wholehearted ordination by God himself to do. That's not the talent that God has given me to do. Because God has given me a way to research his word and to be able to transpose uh, it and, and to just give it to you in a palatable way so that you could understand what God has for you. He's got God-given abilities in each and every one of us that he's asking, are you willing to surrender it and worship to me? Can I talk about your, your story, honey? She doesn't know what I'm going to talk about. You'll figure it out. My wife, from the earliest of ages, knew she wanted to be a counselor. What did she pursue? Nursing. But something in her knew that she had a God-given ability to communicate with people, to help them and expose things in their life that they needed to have self-exposed in their life to help them heal. Sister Amy, you have a God-given talent for worship. Brother Mike, you have a God-given talent for outreach. We have all these people in this church that have God-given abilities, and some of you might not even know what they are. It might just be serving. It might just be cleaning the church. It might just be doing all kinds of different things. It might even be just talking to people out and about in the community. But all of that... Is holy and pleasing. Worship because you're surrendering your life to God. Because what we bring to worship is the way we worship, the way we worship. What we hold on to, that we surrender to God, past our insecurities, past our heart hurts, past our own struggles, allows us to see. What God is trying to get us to do. Psalm 62 and 8. David wrote it so beautifully when he was trying to get his people that they were singing his songs to hear the truth in their own hearts. Trust him in all times, O people. Pour out your heart before him. Pour out your heart. Before our our one and only true God. The God who has done so much for you. The God that has given you the breath in your lungs. Who's allowing your heart to still beat in your chest. The allowing the the neurons in your brain cells to keep firing so you could have a thought process. Allowing your soul to still be right here right now. To be forth and set with a purpose and a mission to go and to all the nations baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to become disciple makers just like you. Yeah. To be on mission. To show our true heart. True worship, not just on Sundays, but on Monday. When you dread going to work. But on Tuesday. When you wish it was Friday. On Wednesday, when you're celebrating the hump day and you're saying, God, I don't know what this is. On Thursdays, when you're saying, oh, it's one more day of this week and then I can get ready to rest. And then on Fridays, as you're rejoicing and you're praising the fact of your idea of your plans. And on your Saturdays and Sundays, all of those belong to God. God. All of those we're supposed to be reminded that we're supposed to trust him in all times. And pour our, our heart out for him. Because David said it so perfectly. For God is a refuge for us. If we can connect those two dots together in our lives That our hearts and our life should be a surrender all moment. Amy, if you'll come. A surrender all. Tara Lynn Patrick, come on up. Then we would really understand what God is trying to ask of us. That our worship would not be something made in vain. But our worship would be fully surrendered with a heart of admiration and reverence and in love to our God I love how the words of that song say we fall down we lay our crowns at the feet of Jesus it's realizing that you might have earned something on this world but it's not anything that's going to compare to him I love how we can go and hold on when we get to the book of Revelation and we can see that the 144,000 are up there in heaven saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Just like the angels are doing. Just like every other day, we have to remember that our lives, while we love them so much, we're only meant to worship the Creator. Amen. Amy, if you'll sing.
1: oh to Jesus, I surrender. Oh. your
0: heart is that really what you're singing about this morning Lord I thank you for this word I thank you for those that were here this morning or those that might be able to not be able to get out this morning that are watching through the live stream but God I ask that you set a dissatisfaction in each of our hearts Lord if we're not worshiping you with full arms outreach saying God I give it all to you I ask that you start encouraging us, Lord, each and every single day through your spirit, Lord, to remind us that you are worthy of it all, that we are worthy of nothing, and all that we are and all that we do should be done in a form of worship as holy and pleasing to you. So God, Lord, I ask you to touch each and every one of us this morning. Challenge us. To go deeper. Challenge us to test the waters. Challenge us to keep stepping forth in faith, Lord, to trust you with all that we have and are and do. Lord, let us not stay the same any longer, but let us reevaluate who we are and what we worship. And let us come into agreement, Lord, that we will serve the Lord all the days of our lives. We will bring holy and pleasing offerings to you, God, not just in financials, not just in talents, but because our hearts are so connected to you that we would surrender it all to you, Jesus. Be with us, Lord, this day. Be with us as we go home this week, Lord. Touch the car drives home. Touch the food that we eat. Bless it, Lord, and give us the provisions we need to make each and every single day. But let us be a light that's not hidden in the hillside, Lord, where people look at us and see our worship to you as something that they want to be a part of their lives. God, let us go and be the church. Let us go and be the difference. Let us go and love our neighbor as ourselves, Lord, as we go and love you with all of our heart, all of our minds, all of our soul, and all of our strength. Let us go and be disciple-makers. Lord, touch this church, Lord. Be with us all. In Jesus' name I pray. And the church said? Amen. Love you, church. I look forward to seeing you guys throughout the week or hearing from you guys. And I hope you all are blessed this week. Go and love your neighbor.